Hey, it's Mike Halford from the Halford and Bruff Podcast. One, thanks for downloading. Two, thanks for listening. Three, why not leave a review while you listen to the podcast? And now, back to the show. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Sportsnet 650 studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Try that again. Jason, good morning. Good morning. This isn't the microphone working. Let's try this again. Jason, good morning. Ah, we'll move along. Good morning. There we go. Nephew Dom, good morning. Good morning. A-Dog, a.k.a. Andy Cole. He got that dog in him. Good morning, A-Dog. Good morning. Good job, everybody. Halford and Brown for the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, Hour one of the program is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. This is the final day of our work vacation as I like to call it. That's where we take a vacation from our vacation by going to work, ergo work vacation. Uh, in other words, we're off next week. Yeah. You are quiet quitting this week. Yeah, what's that? What is quiet quitting? Is I quiet don't understand quitting? that. I is saw it, I saw it that, referenced on Twitter yesterday. It's when you come to work and only do the minimum amount of work that's required to you. It's, it's the Homer Simpson. You do the minimum. That's, that's what it is. Literally what I do. <laughs> is this what I come that, to work everybody does? and do the minimum? Well, that's <laughs> quiet quitting. Have I qu- have I quit? See, I thought that was just working. Yeah, that was just, that's just work. You know what I thought quiet quitting was? I thought quiet quitting was quitting, but not telling anyone and like wondering if they noticed. Yeah, or just that's... whispering as you leave. Goodbye. No, <laughs> just just like how many people do you think could be? You know, let's say you're working a sales job or something. I guess you wouldn't get your commissions then anyway. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're just I don't know any job. Just where's that guy? Office space is quiet quitting. Yeah, exactly. That's where you you don't show up. You or when show you do, up. you play Tetris, and then the bobs come in, and you, they ask if you're missing a lot of work lately. I would lately. say I've been missing work. There you go. Uh, but is this a millennial term, quiet quitting? Correct, yeah. So that's like better than not working at all, which is what most of those young millennials do, right? This is where you show up, and you just give enough, enough effort not to get fired. And I guess that bar is really low nowadays because employers are so desperate. Yeah. They're like, well, he is showing up. <laughs> there is that to be said. Okay, uh, we got to take care of the business at hand. We introduced everyone from this show. Let's tell everybody what's happening on the program today. I think this is going to be an interesting Friday on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. It's an Ask Us Anything Friday, so that's always a wacky, kooky time. We have five guests, which really run the gamut of all sports. I'm going to start at the end, and I'm not going to bury the lead. At 8.30 this morning, we're going to have Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum on the program. So for those that are unaware, and that's got to be a precious few at this point, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum, who is up for re-election, has promised to build a 60,000-seat stadium in Surrey. Now, he's kind of been on day one of his media tour. He did uh, Stephen Quinn, if I'm not mistaken, with CBC Radio yesterday. And the transcripts of that came out. Uh, we'll ask, I mean, largely it's going to be a lot of the same questions to try and get some kind of answers to the myriad of logical problems that we have with this, mm-hmm. but we'll give Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum the chance to answer them, if nothing else. Maybe at the end he'll be like, you're right, it's a bad idea. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I've put no thought into this. I have this. no idea how this is going to go. We don't venture into the political realm all that often. We've no. had, uh, John Horgan on the show a handful of times. We've had a, a couple, I think we've had mayors of cities a couple yeah. times. When they're trying to, honestly, like launch similar things like new stadium builds or new arena builds or things like that. So we'll see how it goes. But at 
And, uh, Surrey Mayor Doug McCallum is going to join and, the show. And just so everyone knows, we're we don't Mike and I don't know the issues that Surrey is is facing. Uh, we don't live there. Uh, we know a lot of listeners live there. Um, we're not political uh, savants. So sav- yeah, pundits. Just, we're not. We're not politically aware. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to delve into any of the other issues yeah, that, okay, that Surrey good, that, has. Yeah, Cause right. like, I know a lot of the arguments are kind of like, shouldn't this money be used for quote unquote issue that Surrey is facing? We're just going to keep it to the stadium issue. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh, I'm and, glad you clarified And, and whether, whether or not that's a good idea. Uh, eight o'clock prior to, um, Surrey mayor, Doug McCallum, the mayor of good times, Moj is going to join us on the program. So we will preview tonight's game. The mayor of good times. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mr. Mayor? <laughs> good sir. Please call him Mayor Moj. <laughs> the mayor of good times. Uh, so we're going to talk to Moj about the Lions uh, Rough Riders game. Some of the air has been taken out of like the game, the arena, the football because of the Nathan Rourke injury, but they still got to play it. Uh, Bombers won last night, so they continue their reign of terror over the CFL. So we'll talk to Moj about the 8-1 Lions. Can they get to 9-1? and That'll be at 8 o'clock. Uh, I'm working in reverse, of course. 745, Paul Jones is going to join us. Uh, Canada basketball insider, play-by-play man, called the game last night. Canada, one of its biggest international victories in an awfully long time, uh, took care of Argentina last night, the number seven-ranked team in the world, in Victoria, in front of a sold-out crowd at the Save-On Food Center. It's almost like Canada should be ranked somewhere like, I don't know, fourth or fifth. Not 18th. Or Not 18th there. in the yeah, world. Yeah. Yeah. It was a pretty impressive performance. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander was great last night, so we'll talk to Paul Jones about that. At 7.45, 7.30, Tyler Zickel, another play-by-play guy, he of the Vancouver Canadians, is going to join us. So I think we've mentioned this throughout the week. We're making a very earnest, not promoted push. Like, no one's telling us to do this for the Vancouver Canadians for their final two homestands of the summer. One, because summer is coming to a close. Labor Day weekend is not that far away, folks, and you all know what that means. It's back to real life. And two... It's been a great summer at the Nat because it had been gone for a while, not in the way that we knew it because of the pandemic, so it's been back. So we'll talk to Tyler about what's coming up today, over the course of this weekend, and then throughout the remainder of the regular season. The Seas are also pushing for a playoff spot as well, so we'll talk to Tyler about that. Finally, uh, 7 o'clock, Matt Verderame is going to join us for – is it Verderame or Verderame? I always do this. Verderame is going to join us for some NFL talk. Uh, did you see the Aaron Donald helmet swinging incident yesterday? Yeah, and the, f- the funny thing is you can swing not one but two helmets at the other team in one of those joint practices, and the league can't suspend you. Or mm. I guess they could, but typically that's left to uh, the teams to dole out punishments Yep, because it's not a game, right? It's just, it's just a practice. We're something that, about practice. Something that happened in a practice. So who was it? Miles Garrett? He did it in the game. And he got like a six-game suspension. Yeah. But Aaron Donald did it to another team. Yes, with two helmets. I wonder if one neutralized the other. They're like, I can't be as dangerous because the helmets are heavy. Man, he must be strong. Dang. I don't think I can lift two helmets. <laughs> uh, how can I swing one, let alone two? So anyway, uh, we'll talk to Matt Verderam at 7 o'clock. So it's a big show. Uh, tonight in the Sprouts, you have... Four NFL preseason games. It's the final week of NFL preseason. The only interesting thing here might be the Dallas-Seattle Seahawks game because the Seahawks still have a very open competition at quarterback, and because Drew Locke got COVID, he hasn't had a chance to really prove himself. So I think he's going to play a significant amount tonight. I don't think he's going to start, though. I don't think he's going to so start. You, no, 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 but, but that but would he's gonna be... going to play. Right, but he played the first one. 
Yeah, I, I don't I think, think he's going to win. I don't think it doesn't seem possible unless there's an inju- injury to Geno Smith for Drew Locke to be starting week one against Russell Wilson and the he, Denver Broncos. Here's the thing. I think they really want him to. If they really wanted to, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I just if don't they think really he, wanted him like, to. I get what you're saying. No, no, no. If they really, 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 really wanted him to, he'd be starting this game. No, no, no. I'm talking about winning the quarterback battle. Sorry. Like, I think I think the smart move is probably when they look at it objectively, it's like we got to start Geno Smith. Like he's he's the guy. He was here for a year. No, but I, you suggested I, that the the you suggested that maybe the, the 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 contest was still open. I think it's closed. Yeah, Geno Smith is. I mean, realistically, yes. Like, okay, again, and just, if just and so if they clear. really wanted to give him the best chance, they'd start him in this preseason game and say, see. If right. he played well. Right. Like, I, yeah. Like, I think when Pete goes up there and talks to the podium, I think it's just sort of like a nominal answer. Like, oh, it's still open. I think they probably already decided that when they take on Russ and the Broncos in week one, it's going to be Geno Smith there. But they're still talking like it's an open competition. So there's your four preseason games tonight. Uh, two CFL games, the Battle of Ontario between Toronto, Toronto and Hamilton. And then you got BC and Saskatchewan. The Jays begin a series at home against the Los Angeles Angels, the for sale Los Angeles Angels. And, of course, Shohei Otani gets to come to Toronto, so that's going to be a big, big media series. Uh, We got round two of the CP Women's Open and the Tour Championship in the golf. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, it's Ask Us Anything Friday here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So get them in. Uh, Hashtag AUA. 650-650 650-650 is the Dunbar number text line. We'll throw that into the pile for the giveaway that we're doing today as well. I've got one from Craig and Campbell River already. Right on, okay. Whatever happened to the penalty soccer shootout between you two? Craig says he's been breathing heavily for years waiting for this showdown of athletic prowess. Uh, so we were. So Mike's a goalie mm-hmm. uh, in soccer, and I have not played soccer since I was in, I don't know, elementary school. Um, and we had some sort of bet, like you said something ridiculous, like on five penalty kicks. <laughs> I think it was 10 out of 10. I was going to save. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to save them all. I and came I was in like, hot with the confidence. I was like, what are, you, what are you out of your mind? Didn't we even ask, uh, who do we ask? We had Max Crapo on this. He was going to be Crapo, part of it. He was going to be part of it. Yeah. yeah. We were going to go to a Whitecaps training. Session. I think the big grandiose plan was we were going to go to a Whitecaps training session and do our shootout. Right. And then we were going to get, cause we asked Max, um, what would, percentage of chance would you give yourself stopping just a random shooter off the street right and he and we were saying like would you even guess on the penalty or would you just go with like if i follow this person shoot right i could probably have the reflexes and physicality I feel like i get one by max right so we had that debate yeah but then uh max left right without ever fulfilling his obligation to the halford and bruff show mm-hmm. I'm not gonna hold that grudge stupid, right stupid so are we anyway, still going to do that, or is I, your body uh, kind of falling apart in the last couple of years? Yeah, or? it's the last couple of years that have done it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll do see. You ever, do you ever take? Uh, do you ever catch video of yourself doing something athletic? Mm-hmm. Someone filmed one of our uh, it is, league basketball games. It once. is one of no, no, but like recently, as you're yeah. getting like I. I, it may, it hurts my feelings every time I see it. It's like, like the visual version of hearing your voice on tape. Yeah, you know, you're just like, oh god. Yep. What is yeah. that? Yep. Um, it's worse. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's actually it's much worse. worse yeah. Me. I don't I don't hate my voice as much as I used to, but my body. Um, I, th- someone took a video of we played in the Nations Cup this year, mm-hmm. uh, over 38 division. Right. And when you're in the game and you're watching it, go, oh, this is pretty good level. Like this looks all right. And then mm. someone sent a video of the tournament winning goal. I was like, why is everything so slow? <laughs> like, there's no way that it happened this slowly in real time. And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, it really did. So yeah, don't. Oh God, it's so sad. We we have the service actually in our uh, in our hockey league, and they actually it's for the minor hockey. It's for kids, so if parents can't attend the game games, changer? I don't know what it's oh, called. Okay. It's called. It might be called that, but it's something that films the game. And let's say parents can't attend their kids' game. They can either live stream it or they can watch it later. They offered that service to our team, our beer league team. Hmm. And we were like, uh, you pay us like, right. in order for us to watch that game. There's no way we want to see that. Yeah. No chance whatsoever. I think, I think you are talking about Game Changer. Probably. We had, we had it for baseball. It, also, what it does is it, it's got like sort of, I can't really call it artificial intelligence, but you input all of the information like in a bo- traditional baseball box score. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a robot voice that kind of does. Someone texted in Live Barn. That's what it oh, is. Oh, Live Barn. Live okay, Barn. So I think one. it's probably hockey related. Yeah, but sa- same idea. Like yeah. the, that is, by, by the way, now that we're completely off on a tangent, anyway, who cares? Whatever. It's we're Friday. almost on vacation. Um, that to me has been one of the coolest advents is how much easier it is to live track like amateur sports. Like, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in a, in a beer league or something and you actually care what the other teams are doing because you're, you want to make the playoffs yeah, yeah, or, you know, sure. that kind of stuff. It used to be you'd have to really archaic ways. Like, you'd have to call a guy that you kind of knew on the team. And then <laughs> Did you guys win. And then he'd be like, you don't know me that well and you're calling me on a Friday night to know if we won. I'm like, yes, yes, that's what I'm doing. The I, I we use Game Changer all year for Little League Baseball. It is crazy. Yeah. Like, you, we had the kids on base slugging percentage and everything. Were you showing them? Yeah. You're, just, you're like, you think this is good enough? My kid was batting 173 at one point. I'm like, this is unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> is there a natural stat trick for your little league? It doesn't go that deep, but there, it's it's pretty advanced. Like the the kid that, for the year younger age group, the nine tens that won the, the provincials, um, he had like a 0.93 ERA. And we were going around talking about it like he was a third-year pitcher with the Blue Jays. Like right. We were, it was like, it's amazing. He's dealing. Nine strikeouts to just one walk. This kid's ratio is incredible. And he's like 10. Right? Eastwood and New West. I'm 32 and still play men's league basketball. And there are nights when I feel like I haven't lost a step since I used to brick transition threes playing for Kwantlen College. When I see the highlights on YouTube, however, it is humbling. Yeah. yeah. That, Sucks well, getting old. That's the other part of... Um, professionalizing amateur sport like with running live box scores and video streaming it's not necessary yeah it, you know you really realize how bad I, you are i, I put a couple of my golf swings on uh on twitter just for like promotional reasons because we're at a course or whatever and people mm-hmm. are like uh hey tin man were you playing with the scarecrow how that, did he play okay that, let's now we're on another tangent golf swing twitter because i've seen it play out golf in real swing twitter yeah there's it's a <laughs> yeah, it's whole tough. like cottage tough. industry yeah <laughs> It's everyone and their dog decides to weigh in on your swing yeah. when you put it up. It's almost like they feel they're contractually obligated to do it. Yeah. I actually Crazy. don't mind it because there's some guys that actually know what they're talking about. Sure. Right? And I'm like, oh, that's a good point. But a lot of them are like, uh, be more flexible. Yeah. That's and true. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> be less tall. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. You, you see the kids, like young kids that are, uh, you know, I don't know, junior golfers. Uh, 13, 14 years old. And they're like, professionally, they, yeah. no, 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 no. Just man. even like, just like good yeah. players. And they're just, uh, they're like pretzels playing. Like they can just, they have these long, powerful swings just because they can contort their bodies to create so much torque mm-hmm. that they create this power. I'm like, I can't do that. My spine would snap. Uh, someone just texted in unsigned. So it must be from Gary. This, this is complete. We haven't even done what happened last night in sports. Live barn. <laughs> 
the app, which I guess elevates the beer league hockey experience through video and through box scores. Uh, that's where the video of the realtor slashing the comp, comp- competition is from. From live. Oh, Vegas. you Remember know, I never. I know, yeah, I know the story. I never were even watched the, the air video. When it happened? No, I didn't yeah. even watch the video. I, I, that was the one time where I kind of wish we were on the air because I felt like we could have had a good time with it at the time. Yeah, but how was the other guy? Fine. He was fine. Yeah, he actually returned to that game to play. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't like a catastrophic injury or anything. <sighs> Just a catastrophic kick with a skate blade. I Ugh. will say, I don't want to like. Uh, I don't want to. I didn't find it funny. Like, I didn't I, find you know, it funny, but yeah. the material, come on. I mean, yeah, that's no, right I know. up the Halford and Bruff Avenue, That's right? true. Yeah, which like, is, hey, don't take it so seriously. The Halford, the Halford and Bruff Avenue is also where one of this guy might be selling some real estate, actually, if I'm not mistaken. So, right. He's a Burnaby realtor. Okay. He's big on bus ads. You see him on a lot of bus oh, ads. Oh, okay. What's that's, the hierarchy of- Is that uh, true? Oh, yeah. Like, he's he's very visible in the public? I see him all the time. Oh, really? Well, not him. I see his ad. Yeah, I see yeah, his yeah. ads? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the hierarchy for when you're a realtor and you're advertising? Bus stop billboard, se- bus stop se- one. billboard. Yeah, yeah, but that's tough to pull. Billboard's off. tough. Billboard actually you- on the bus is a step up from the bus stop. Right. Is it like I monetarily? So. I I don't know. I'm just thinking in my you mind. You work in commercial real estate. Yeah, we didn't we didn't advertise like a residential yeah, realtor. Okay, we 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 held the the resies as we called them. <laughs> you know, like like you know, go you guys go do your open houses. We've got actually big deals to do here. <laughs> so there's um. Billboards. So if you, the further you get out into the Fraser Valley, the more you see the actual billboards. They're making Fraser Valley real estate bank. Yeah. They can afford yeah. billboard after billboard. Yeah, and then you got bus. I would say bus is probably more expensive because it's a mobile Correct. advertisement. Yeah. yeah. Then you have bus stops. Then I've seen ones that are, you know, the, the multi-use garbage cans? Where it's like, put, oh, your, yeah, yeah. put your recycling here, put your garbage here, and then you look and it all filters into the same thing anyway. Uh, those garbage cans have... Uh, they have they, advertising on them? They have advertising I on them. I wouldn't, wouldn't do garbage can advertising. There's, and then, all, there's think, one more. The YouTube what? ad now. You get personalized oh, I, YouTube ads. I didn't, I've not seen that one. The amount of real estate ads I get for local Vancouver realtors is embarrassing. On YouTube? Yeah. Interesting. I like, you know what I like? The old pad and paper. You know? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, they drop the, it yeah, off yeah. They drop box. it off. You yeah. always use that stuff. Yep. That's, that that's probably yeah, the that's most effective stuff. ad of them all. Mm-hmm. That's the best. Yeah. yeah. Ken and Winnie Fong, we sell your home. And then you get to write underneath on it. It's great. Yeah, no, it's good. Okay. All right. Off the west side. Yeah. <laughs> We've got like five minutes left for like what happened ah. in, in, you know, sports. Ah. Not much happened. Uh, so let's get into what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was. We know how busy your life can be. Uh, let's begin. I should do this like Blue Jays win game. Golf happened. Canada win basketball. Canada win worlds. No, okay, we'll start with the Blue Jays. Uh, the Blue Jays be good. <laughs> the Blue Jays swept the Red Sox in dramatic fashion yesterday at Fenway. So Jordan Romano pitches his way out of a bases loaded no out jam in the ninth at Fenway. Then he goes into the 10th and shuts down the Red Sox yet again. The Red Sox have to be killing themselves for how they weren't able to cash in in the 9th and 10th inning yesterday. Romano gets the win. Jays get a three-game sweep. They they move on to the Angels now. Has anyone added up the run differential of the Jays-Red Sox series this year? Because I believe the Jays are, I want to say, 10-2. and Against the Red Sox this year, eight and one in Boston. Oh, okay, so yeah. they might actually have a better record than <laughs> it's crazy than ten and two. But remember, there was that twenty-eight to five 
win in Boston in July. And that uh, series also had like 4-1 wins for the Jays, 8-4 wins for the Jays. The Jays have absolutely owned the Red Sox. And if you look back since that worrying stretch where the Jays really had trouble with the Baltimore Orioles and the Orioles nearly caught the Jays or maybe did catch the Jays at one point. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Jays, since leaving that Baltimore series, the last one, they've had four games against the Yankees and three against the Red Sox, and they're 6-1. and Yeah, they've been great since then. It's funny, actually. Baltimore won again last night in pretty crazy fashion, so they're kind of hanging around this thing as well. Um, But it was funny. We had Dan Shulman on the show earlier in the week, and he was talking about Schedule gets a little easier now. Uh, and you've also got a, ga- a bunch of games against those Orioles. So theoretically, the Jays are in control of their destiny to a certain degree where you've got the games in front of you against teams that you need to beat. And they just owned Boston this year, which is great. Like that is, that's almost a death knell for Boston's season too. Boston was hanging around the fringes of this wildcard chase. But this series, you know, that was just a, like a self-administered kick to the groin, especially yesterday with all the runners that they left stranded, and with no outs either, right? And Romano came in and did a hell of a job. So the, the Jays, no rest for the weary. They turn it right around. Now, the, the Angels are, are always a fascinating opponent because they suck at baseball, right. but they've got Mike Trout and, of course, the traveling sideshow that is Shohei Otani. I got a, a buddy that was – he his summer vacation with his family existed of going to On Terrible, as he called it. I hadn't heard that one before, for a couple of weeks at the end of the summer, and he was – determined to get tickets to this particular series to go see Otani. And he was talking about, like, I just want to see the guy in person, right? So that's a pretty interesting draw. So I think there's going to be a lot of hoopla over that fun series to watch this weekend. Uh, We can go golf next. We should do that. No, we should do basketball. basketball, Yeah. Okay. So Canada improved to 7-0, a perfect 7-0 in FIBA Basketball World Cup qualifying. 99-87 win over Argentina yesterday in Victoria. Uh, Great result for the Canadians. Shai Gilgis-Alexander was awesome. In the limited amount of time that he's been the primary ball handler and sort of the the go-to guy for Canada over this window, Canada's looked great. He kind of slices and dices people, is able to set the table for a lot of guys as well, including Kelly Olenek, the Kamloops BC native, who had 21 points last night. Overall, this was uh, a really good, solid result. It didn't necessarily mean anything. Like Canada was probably going to move on almost regardless of what happened because of their perfect record leading in. But this was the first real significant test they've had in this cycle and in this window. Uh, Argentina is the number seven team in the world. They've got one or two NBA players, including former NBA player Carlos Delfino. So it's a good team. And Canada played very well and handled them. When do they officially points. qualify? It should, should be pretty soon, right? I, you know, I... I think they might, don't quote me on this, but they go to Panama on Monday. Right. I think they can almost guarantee themselves a okay. top three spot then because right. they'll go to nine or eight and oh. And then what happens is you book your ticket to the World Cup. And then how you do with that World Cup can actually qualify you to the Olympics. So this is. Well, you a, don't necessarily have to qualify out of the World Cup, right? Exactly. Okay. It's, it, again, they've made it way more confusing than it needs to be mm-hmm. in Canada basketball. It's don't do what Donnie don't does. It's like they can make this simpler. FIBA, right? not Canada basketball. Sorry, though, FIBA. Right? Yeah, yeah, but watching Canada basketball kind of do this maze through qualifying. But good result mm-hmm. for Canada last night. Uh, the crowd was great. I don't know how much of the game you watched, if at all. I know you were busy last night, but. Uh, Kelly Olenek got a really big ovation when he came out and put forth a good performance. It was 
jam-packed. You know, Victoria's a really good basketball city, obviously, with the history that they've got there. Mm -hmm. So no surprise that they sold it out. But overall, a really good night for Canada basketball. Uh, The CP Women's Open in Ottawa, not a great first round for the Canadians. Uh, Brooke Henderson started out pretty well, but didn't finish all that well. Um, She is at three under right now. I think she's one under today. She got an early start today. Uh, one under after two holes, tied for 27th. Uh, there's a couple other Canadians kind of hanging around, uh, but Paula Reto, Paula Rito from South Africa shot a nine under course record 62. I, I can't, you know, I know it's professional golf, but I always just marvel at the fact that you can shoot like a 62. She stole Brooke Henderson's record with that 62. Brooke Henderson previously had the course low for a single round. And then Paula Rito, which is a fun name when you say it all together. Paula Rito. Yeah. yeah. It actually sounds like a, like a soccer player. Here mm-hmm. comes Paula Rito. <laughs> or a, a cool summer drink. Mm-hmm. I'll have a Paula Rito. Thank you. Anyway, um, that's the story from the winner. Oh, I just wanted to mention oh. uh, uh, Lucy Lynn from Vancouver. 12 years old, shot three over. Dang. She's, she's like, she wasn't last. That's pretty impressive. You know, like, yeah, that is, three over, not good enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really incredible that someone barely 12 years old can go play in a golf tournament that has the likes of Nellie Corda playing in it. Uh, Lucy Lynn shot three over, I think Nellie Corda who's considered the best golfer in the world, was four under. Is so seven. Nellie Corda dating Andreas Athanasiu? She was. I don't know if she She was wearing is. a Blackhawks jersey. Is he with the, with the Hawks That's now? That's where he is now. Yeah. yeah, then she is. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they've been an, an item for a while. Do you follow her? I know you're big yeah, on- Yeah, I follow her on, on golf Instagram. Instagram right? Yeah. The, the the marriage of golf and cat mm-hmm. Instagram. Uh, that is Jason's social media. Okay, we got it. We yeah, the, we... the algorithm is very confused at what I am. <laughs> Nobody, okay. nobody else tweets like this. We're not sure what to do with this guy. <laughs> yeah, they're so just like the, the, the mix. The mix of follows that I've got yeah. is like every time Brav tweets, an alarm goes off. <laughs> Twitter HQ. Okay, um, we have to get going to break because we're way over. There's some stories that we didn't get to, and what happened that we can get to. We can also do your ask us anything's. Literally, ask us anything. We'll answer it. Six fifty, six fifty is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we can also get into some NHL stories that are going around. We got some NHL audio from Elliot Friedman, including Fried stirring out there that uh, Nathan McKinnon could become the highest paid player in the NHL. We can get into all that on the other side. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. On a Friday, happy Friday, everybody! Sweet, sweet Friday. A dog and nephew Dom are jamming out right now. This is my alarm clock music. <laughs> what is this? What do you type into the search bar to find such a jazzy tune? Upbeat brass. Yeah, it's good. I like it. Dom looks like a young Boz Skaggs back there. Look at him go. Good form. That he actually? I don't know what guitar form looks like. Is, is that good? Uh, sure. I'm slapping the bass. Oh, God. Yeah, that looked like the bass to me. 
Okay. Uh, Halford and Bravo in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of accurate dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari accurate dealer today. Hour one, which we are right in the midst of, is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. Finally, and it's a little painstaking to do this read because it's an acknowledgement that summer is coming to a close and school is near. But back-to-school deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are on now at Fido. You can visit them in store or online at Fido.ca. Yeah, we're pretty close to getting uh, back to the regular routine. Kids will be back in school. Thank God. A bunch of folks will be back at work. Everything begins in just over a week's time. Not for us, though. This is our last show for a little while. So technically, our summer is done in about two hours, at which point we're just going to coast off into the sunset. Okay, we got a few things that we didn't get to from the intro segment about what happened in the world of Sprouts yesterday. We did not mention that the Canadian women opened their campaign at the World Hockey Championships in Denmark. Uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin and Sarah Nurse each scored and had an assist in a comfortable 4-1 win for Canada over the Finns. Um, it was pretty... When do they play the Americans? Yeah, exactly. It was a pretty... It was a pretty uh, it was an expected result. I think I, having read some of the analysis and done some of the punditry, it was by no means uh, an oil painting for Canada, but it was enough to get past the pesky fins in the opener, kind of get their legs underneath them, get their feet underneath them. Canada now faces Switzerland on Saturday, then Japan on Sunday. Uh, Japan, as you would expect, maybe a little bit behind the field in this one. They lost 10 nothing to the Americans in their opener. So that's, the, that's from the... Uh, the women's side of things, I think. Did we get into Scotty Scheffler doing the finishing atop the PGA Tour Championship after day one? Well, I mean, he started there. Yeah, at, and, at he fin- under, and he finished there. And he also played pretty well. I think there was only one other golfer on the course that played better than Scotty Scheffler. I watched a bit of the Tour Championship yesterday, and Scotty Scheffler actually hit some bad shots, but he was able to somewhat recover from it. In other words, uh, his score could have been lower. Right. Um, I think this Tour Championship format is going to come under review once again. Someone was chirping it yesterday. I can't remember who off the top of my head, unfortunately. But I, oh, there's a lot of people. Could it have been Corey been... Connors? Who was, what, did he start 10 back? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a tough situation, though, because... If you've got this FedEx Cup and you're you're trying to gain points the whole season and including during the playoffs, right, to, in order to get to the Tour Championship, shouldn't the person that's accumulated the most points have an advantage in the Tour Championship yep. as opposed to the guy that snuck in at 30th and then you're just like, okay, go for it, guys. It's a tournament, right? I, I, I do get it's that. A, it, 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 it's a bit of a tough situation, but I... <laughs> I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, th- I think they, they got to figure this out, though, because uh, starting at 10 under, I think the last two winners have each been the leaders, you know, like after one. It, it just gives such an advantage yeah. to the top three players. When I look at it, it feels like uh, an advantage that's almost too insurmountable for the people trying to chase. Yeah, like I understand it might, giving might prove that. Way, I, under- right? I understand giving someone an advantage. It just looks weird too, right? So again, like not to harken back constantly to coaching baseball, but for all the tournaments that you're in, usually with little league, it's a double. You have to lose two games. It's a double lo- knockout, right? But so let's say you go through the round robin and you get to a championship game, and the one team is undefeated. Well, that team has to lose twice, mm-hmm. right? Because you, they they get rewarded for having gone undefeated through the round robin portion. Yeah. So it's like you get to the final, you beat them once. 
they're like, well, hold on. We want to reward them for being perfect throughout the tournament. You're going to have to beat them again, right? right? So I understand that kind of advantage that you've built up through the quote-unquote regular season or the, the the regular PGA Tour and the FedEx points and everything. But at the same time, I mean, Corey Connors going into this tournament, I don't, is the goal to not finish in last? Because he's in last right now. Yeah, I, I, I guess the realistic goal... Like it's it's gonna get it's gonna be really hard to get so hot that you win right. the tour championship and win the FedEx Cup, but maybe that's the point. If you just qualify, if you barely qualify, uh, Nathan McKinnon's next contract. I think we've all been very interested in what this number is going to be because we all know that Nathan McKinnon had one of the best contracts in the NHL, given the player he's been over the last few years. Mm-hmm. He signed uh, an extension after his rookie uh, contract expired. And at the time, he wasn't necessarily on track to be the Nathan McKinnon that he is today. He started out really well in the NHL, but then he wasn't like he wasn't dominant. He, it was he the was, perfect storm for the Abs. It was the perfect storm for the Abs, really, because they were able to get him to, I think it was a six year extension at a very, very reasonable number, cap hit of just $6.3 million. Now, now that the uh, Avs have won the Stanley Cup and Nathan McKinnon is clearly one of the best players in the NHL, I don't think that Nathan McKinnon is going to necessarily give the biggest hometown discount from for the Avs. He may not go for every penny that he possibly can because I'm sure Nathan McKinnon, a competitive person, who knows that he's already made some good money. Sure. Um, wants to keep this team competitive. And he understands that sometimes you have to take a tiny little bit less in order to keep a team competitive. Because don't forget, the Avs also have Kale McCarr with a $9 million cap hit. Mm. And Miko Rantanen with a $9.25 million cap hit. And the captain, Gabriel Landeskog, with a $7 million cap hit. Natushkin just re-signed a big deal at six, uh, just over $6 million yep. cap it. That being said, Nathan McKinnon is sure going to guarantee that he is the highest paid player on that team. So on that note, uh, here is Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet's very own NHL insider, on the 32 Thoughts podcast, talking about just how big this Nathan McKinnon payday could be. Yeah, so the word I've heard is that, you know, they've been talking. Now, look, I think it's going to be a big number. I think the best way for me to say it is I think it's going to be a big number. I think it's a possibility, but not guaranteed, but I think it's a possibility that Nathan McKinnon could end up being the highest paid player in the league. Now, right now, that's Connor McDavid at 12.5 by AAV. I think it's possible. Even if he isn't, I think it's going to be a big number. And so I think one of the reasons, and I think the Avalanche were also concerned about term, I don't necessarily think they were willing to go as long for term as for Kadri as the Flames and the Islanders were. But I do believe that the McKinnon deal is about to be a very big one. And it's possible, although not guaranteed, he could end up as the highest paid player in the league. You know, if the Avalanche do do this and it does end up being as, as high as it could possibly be, I don't think people are going to argue with it. He's that good and he's that important. The other thing, too, is you look at it, you know, McCarr is at nine. Ranton is at nine two five. McKinnon's going to be a total UFA. That's the push. And you'll hear Bill Daly talk about how they're 
optimistic the cap is going to go up a little sooner than they thought. So this is a big one. I'm sure the Avalanche probably wanted to keep it uh, a little bit lower, still double digits. But like I said, it's it's possible this one uh, goes into highest paid player in the NHL territory or close to it. So we all know the Avs have evolved into one of the better managed teams in the NHL after being pretty badly managed for uh, quite a while. Um, Chris McFarland is now the general manager. Uh, Joe Sackick's still with the organization, but Chris McFarland is the general manager. And the reason he's the general manager, I believe, is that the Avs were worried that (laughs) he was going to get poached by another team if they didn't make him the general manager and give him that title and give him more responsibilities, give him more of a profile around the NHL and probably a significant raise. So they know they've been they know this has been coming, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Elliot was talking about there that's probably one of the reasons they weren't willing to you know come out of their boots to re-sign Nazem Kadri even though without Nazem Kadri the abs are weaker this season. Yep. Um it's going to cost even more down the road, right? Like they may, might lose a player like I don't know JT Comfer and they're going to have to keep producing young, cheap players in order to maintain the depth that makes the best teams competitive. Your last point is the one that we should use as a jumping off because anytime this happens now, we should start going, okay, who's going to get squeezed out of the picture that someone else can pick up? That's the great Tampa Bay model, right? Yeah. Tampa Bay wins a bunch of cups and they go back to finals and they reward the high-end guys. And then you could look at their roster and say, well, who can we pluck off this roster? Because it's happened time and time and time again, right? Well, there's a couple defensemen that I'm sure people around the league are keeping their eyes on. Uh, Sam Girard. Some people thought that the, the Abs might trade him this offseason. Um, yeah, is it? Yeah, Sam, Sam Girard. Girard. Sam yeah. Girard. Yeah. Um, but obviously they, they didn't. Um, Devon Taves only has two years left on his deal before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. Will the Avs be able to keep him at that point? Uh, they've they've re-signed Josh Manson to a four-year deal, so they've committed to him. Uh, they obviously have Bowen Byram coming, yep. so he's going to play a big role. If they keep producing these young players, like that's the key. That is the key, and 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 it's why, in some ways, when you're a good team, it's just as important to keep producing good players right. as it is. When you're you're a bad team, mm-hmm. no, it's without right? question because you need cheap, and it's harder, and it's yeah. harder because you don't get the uh, ideal draft picks, yeah. and and in a lot of the cases, you've traded away picks in order to uh, to I don't know how many picks the Abs made this year. I think it was about two. Yeah, they right? were not. So it's going to get challenging. It was not. Yeah, and the, and that's the cycle, really. Uh, you you have to be an ace at you know uh, unearthing prospects and finding things in non conventional ways. The flip side is that there's 31 other teams in the NHL that kind of get to take advantage of your situation. You're getting, you get penalized for being good. Really, you do. Look at the number of guys that have come and gone from Tampa Bay that have gone on to have really solid performances elsewhere. Right here in Vancouver, right? JT Miller didn't fit with Tampa Bay. Canucks get to pick him up and get a 90-point player out of the deal. So you look at Colorado, and you start going down the same road as if, if Nathan McKinnon gets into that rarefied air and I'll just say it at this stage of the game, anything over 10 million AAV is rarefied air. I think I think he would be the 15th player in the NHL to get to that level. So there's very few guys that do that. 
that puts a huge crunch on Chris McFarland and the Avalanche, mm-hmm. and then they have to start dealing. Yeah. And it usually, it comes about where it's, you don't have a ton of takers, and you have to make a move. It was the Bill Guerin move with Kevin Fiala. I remember when he was explaining it, they were like, well, we're worried about moving him to L.A. Right. Were you worried about the return? He's like, honestly, we just had to get it done. Because mm-hmm. they were under a time frame. They were under a cap crunch. They had to get it done. So it'll be really curious to see what happens whenever they get this McKinnon extension done, what the ramifications are. I mean, we saw it in Calgary just a couple weeks ago. Nazem Kadri, all the rumblings are out there that he's going to get signed. Well, the other domino's got to fall. Someone's got to move out. Money has to move out. Boom. Sean Monaghan's on his way to Montreal. So I'll be really curious to see what happens with the abs on that moving forward. Uh, let's do some Ask Us Anythings here. Danny and Brooks would ask us anything. Would Wayne Gretzky have had a 100-goal season back in his day if the Michigan was a thing, considering how often he hung out behind the net? Well, he had a 92-goal season. Yeah, I think 100 would have been well within his grasp. <laughs> I don't know. Back in the day, if you pulled the Michigan, someone would kill you. Yeah, but, okay, I mean, yeah, that's true. That's very true. Like <laughs> There'd just be like a bench-clearing brawl out there. Yeah, I, I'll never – I remember – it's kind of changed now, obviously, because, like, yeah. Zegris and Milano and the guys in Anaheim were kind of running around, and the only real pushback was from Tortorella. But uh, I distinctly remember – I think it was Tomas Hurdle – either in his rookie year or yeah. his second year. And he went in on a breakaway. I think it was Marty Baron. You try a between-the-legs kind of thing? He did it. Yeah. Between the legs and scored. Right. He didn't play the rest of the game. Which is ridiculous because those are the best high-percentage shots now. Like, it, 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 in certain situations, mm-hmm. if you're at a specific angle close to the net and the goalie's taking a specific angle, sometimes as a shooter – it's your best bet to actually draw the puck between your legs, use your one of your feet to kind of block the yeah. goalie's poke check, and then you put the puck up high. And they practice it so often that it's not necessarily like, hey, you better pull this off. It's like, I, I will. I do this every day at, yeah. at practice. And the Michigan has kind of become that as well for certain players, right? Like you wouldn't want to see – most players try to pull the Michigan because they don't practice it, right? And then, yeah. and, and a lot of them just won't, right? Um, but the guys like a Kent Johnson, right? He, he, he can do that in his sleep. That's the and, thing. And if he it's sees not a, that difficult for if, them to do, no. If yeah. he so, if he sees a goalie that's in a vulnerable position, then he should do that, as opposed to what? Just like wrap it around and try and jam it past his goal stick, right? right. Which it, is when... ha- and which is how all NHL goalies are trained to react to that situation. Go post to post, jam your skate up yeah, against. Make sure the... you get the low part of the net. Right. I think Kevin Woodley, we were talking about. He's like, I don't know how to defend this as a goalie. Like, what, they, what do you do? Do you go with your head first? Do you get bigger shoulders? Do you become physically more imposing? I'm. I, here's a question for the listeners out there: How do you defend? The Michigan, as a def- let's say you're a defenseman, mm-hmm. do you uh, just try and blow the guy up? Like he is uh, twirling around the net, so he's in the killing fields, right? So you're, <laughs> and you just try and like knock his head off, or just try and put your shoulders through yeah, his just, chest. If you're defending it, you just try and get your body between the player. And or the, do you try, yeah. or do you stick lift and try and knock his? Because I mean, the stick is literally like, I it's like it a- depends what position you're in. If you're if you're coming from in front, then oh, here we go. If you're in front of the net, nice. then you uh, try and get your body between, I imagine. 
I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm, I don't I'm curious think, yeah. because, but the the bigger picture, you can kind of see him. You can kind of see when it starts to happen, right? You can yeah. kind of see when it develops. So, typically, a player isn't going to do it when there's another defenseman right there. It yeah. typically happens when they're by themselves back there. The bigger point I'm trying to make here with the between the leg shot and the Michigan is that I I think a lot of people, as we go back to the original Askis and anything, I think a lot of people really misconstrue it as hot dogging and should rethink the way that they're viewing it because it's it's just an alternate way to execute something in a way that we haven't seen a thousand times and specifically the way goalies have been trained to react. That's kind of the thing about it. You talked about the between the legs move. Goalies are such creatures of habit and it's repetition, repetition, and this is what shots are going to look like and this is what shots traditionally look like in the NHL, right? It's pretty standard for the most part. The game's been played for a long time with a snapshot and a wrist shot and a slapper. Right. So to come in and try and reinvent things, like that's what makes Austin Matthews' shot so compelling, is he's totally reinvented launch points mm-hmm. and where the shots come from and where in his stride he's able to shoot the puck. You know, a lot of times, all due respect to the innate creativity of hockey players, a lot of the stuff looks the same. Yeah. Right? We, we I mean, often talk about, remember when Petey came down the wing and had that huge slapper? Yeah, like, it looked like Gretzky did that. <laughs> that is a traditional yeah. sort of, that's, how, that's what hockey looks like, and that's mm-hmm. what you do when you're coming in on the rush, so to change things like angles, launch points, lift, all those sorts of things. Well, I think it's innovative. I, I think it was a natural um, development out of all the shot blocking that happened because back in the day, that's a good was, point too. Back in the day, of course it is. I made it. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, it was always like, "Well, let the goalie see the puck," right? And that isn't the case anymore, right? It's get your body in front of the shot and block shots. So. There's a few ways to change angles. One is to be a really good skater, mm-hmm. like Quinn Hughes, and you can uh, change shooting angles, you can change passing angles, um, and then it makes it really hard for the defender to kind of maintain his body awareness about where he is on the ice, right? Yeah. Uh, the other one would just be to change your launch angle. right? Yeah. To, and, and what the shooting instructors and the spe- uh, shooting specialists are teaching kids now is so different from what they used to teach us. And what they used to teach us is not much at all. It was, and I said this on a show previously, it was like, here's your wrist shot. Here's your slap shot. Don't try that. Uh, And here's your snap shot, right? There's so much more to it. Uh, You know, I... My buddy was out on the ice, uh, I think, at the North Shore Winter Club, and 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 you know he's he's my age, and he's been playing hockey the whole time. And one of the instructors came up to him and was like, "Hey, can I show you something? Because uh, things are done differently now." Right. <laughs> right? Spe- speaking of, in that vein with shot blocking, yeah. Uh, the, and I'm taking this on a totally opposite tangent now. Go watch some Premier League games from like the early to mid '90s mm-hmm. compared to now. The amount of shot blocking that goes on with defenders is it's a staggering amount now compared the, to d- back the d- defending the defending has changed yeah. so much more mm-hmm. and the the idea now is and you you'll watch the guys they they put their arms behind their right because they don't want to get anything they don't get, yeah so you see a bunch of armless torsos how, how much does around. that hurt when a guy like if they're in the wall yep and the ball is coming at their head and they head it off um it hurts yeah <laughs> yeah it hurts there's a real snapback effect, the whiplash effect of it, you know, ramming against your. Is there an equivalent to in soccer to uh, you know the flamingo move in hockey? Is oh, it, is there like if you, if you don't get in front of it, I don't even know what like the headless horseman or something like that. Yeah, know. no, no. Well, the one would be um, 
not put because the idea is put your arms behind your back and then make yourself as large as possible, yeah. right? So that's like uh, going down in a sort of knee on the ground with your leg extended, sure, like, right? And so if you don't make yourself as big as possible, you actually just end up screwing up your goalie. Also, if you don't actively close it down, so I don't know if you watch the no, man. but is there a good nickname for that? Because no. we call it flamingo yeah, well, in hockey, yeah, right? right? No, 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 there's nothing like that. Um, there was one when Man U played Liverpool, and Man U had that pretty important victory for them on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, Virgil van Dyke, the, uh, center back for Liverpool tried to do it on the Jaden Sancho goal, okay, but didn't even come close to closing him down and blocking it. Right. And then all he did was kind of give Sancho the corner to shoot in. Yeah. And everyone was looking at him and they're like, hey, what are you doing? Like, you have to go block that. You mm-hmm. can't just stand there and not really do anything. So the concept is the same, but there's no name like Flamingoing. No. Uh, Torgi texts in a good point. Did you see how easily... Kuzmenko pulled off the between the legs the other day. It was slick bar down, but it's nothing to some of these guys. Yeah, uh, I did see that Kuzmenko goal from, uh, I, I guess it's just a, it's not a practice necessarily. It's just, just just a skate. It looked like they were out at eight rings. It's incredible how effortless he makes it look. Like it's just like, oh, just, you just brought up pra- a practice. Because he's practiced it. But it's still incredible. It is impressive. impressive. Yeah, like, but a lot of the things they do is, that's why they're the professional yeah, athletes. I but guess like, that's why they get paid to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, uh, Hockey culture demanded that they didn't do that sort of stuff before. Yeah, that was right? reserved was, just for practice. You didn't do it in the game. Even in practice, you'd be like, oh, you better not be doing that in the game. <laughs> Don't embarrass your opponent, son. <laughs> okay, we got to go to break. We're right up against it. Uh, we have a very busy 7 and 8 o'clock hours here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Matt Verderam for some NFL talk right on the other side. Tyler Zickel from the Vancouver Canadians to preview the final two homestands of the season. Paul Jones at 745 to talk Canada basketball's win over Argentina last night in Victoria. Again, big 7 o'clock hour. Don't miss it. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Before we go, I need to tell you the back-to-school deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are now on at Fido. Visit them in-store or on the internet at fido.ca and do it now. It's like know, a- it depends what position you're in. If you're, if you're coming from in front, then it typically yeah. happens when they're by themselves back there. 